Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome once again to the only bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Yes! And today we will be continuing our summer short series where we discuss shorter literary works for those dog days of summer when you're sitting around reflecting on your slowly waning youth as you look forward to a future of change, adventure, and possibilities. Or, you know, just making lunch or some other regular shit and need something to listen to. <laughs> right, right. Like, you could be doing that, too. Um, but so today we will be reading <laughs> My God. A, short <laughs> a short story allegory about empire building. But before we do that, mm-hmm. Marcy, I got a question. Uh, yes, thank God. What is your question? Okay, so since we know that allegories are often cautionary tales or metaphors for life, I wanted to know what a fairy tale, nursery rhyme, television show, honestly, any consumable literature or media from your youth what you get, <laughs> <laughs> helped you learn some type of genuine lesson that you took along with you. It could be more than one, too, if you want. Mm. Okay, I... <laughs> so what comes to mind... Not sure if she counts as an allegory, but you know what is my response? It's our show, so <laughs> fuck it. So back in the day, back when I was like, I think I was maybe like a maybe like fourteen, fifteen or so. I used to play this video game, and it was funny. Um, Akko and I actually bonded about this when we first got to college. Um, this video game called Tales of the Abyss on a PlayStation yes. Two. All the OG day ones, but we know what we talk about. Um, <laughs> And basically, it was this game that followed this character named Luke, who essentially was sort of like the, kind of like an aristocrat, honestly. Like, he kind of lived in this mm. really wealthy household and, like, sort of had, like, a very simple life. Um, I'll try to keep spoilers to a minimum. But basically... It's been, like, 20 what, years. You can spoil. Motherfuckers have... Okay, yeah, we just got spoiled, <laughs> girl. Like, I mean, if you don't want to listen to this part, we could just, I don't know, maybe in the notes will be, like, oh, spoilers for totally this, but, like... Who cares? Anyway, so basically, <laughs> so basically, Luke one day, <laughs> so one day, so one day, Luke is basically like high key kidnapped by like this like warrior goddess named. She's not like a warrior goddess. She's like just like a regular person. But um, her name is Tyr, um, and she's part of this like kind of like military force or sort of I guess like an ex like an ex member of this force um, in, in this country. I forgot the name of the actual continent, but. Yes, yeah, so basically, she and Luke go on this adventure, and along the way, you know, they kind of, like, meet this colorful cast of characters, one of whom mm. is this guy named, his name is literally Guy, and he's, like, one of Luke's, like, houseworkers that he was also, like, really close friends with, and then they, like, meet this, like, necromancer named Jade, and, like, this, like, younger girl named, like, Annis, and then, like, they, like, low-key team up with, like, a princess named Nat- Natalia, just, like, the most random group of hoes. True. And something that I loved about it was that, essentially... It kind of, like, the overall premise was that essentially there was kind of, like, this, like, I guess social experiment that was going on where they used to make, like, used to slash are still currently making replicas of current people. And so, mm. um, basically, those replicas are sort of being used as, like, honestly, kind of, like, h- human sacrifices to, like, provide enough, like, energy to, like, basically overthrow an empire. There's, like, a guy named Van who's, like, trying to, like, overthrow everything. And you come to find out that Luke is actually a replica of the original person that used to live in his stead named Ash. And and the funny thing is like you learn about Ash and like are introduced to him much sooner than you learn that like Luke is a replica. So like once like it's revealed that Luke's a replica, it's like, holy shit. But like one thing that I loved about the story was that 
to me, it was just it was the first time I'd ever really consumed a piece of media that like really had just like truly like moral ambiguity. Like each of the characters mm. that you're like working with, like you know your main party of six, it's like none of them are really like. Like all of them kind of have blood on their hands at some point in the in this story, either currently through the adventure or like have previously done some like kind of heinous shit. Like, I mean, Luke at one point like literally sinks an entire town because he has these like right. psychic premonitions, and Van kind of manipulated him and was like, "Oh yeah, girl, like you should like use the like phonons." And there's a lot of lore and world building which I won't necessarily go into, but basically, Luke like has his psychic abilities and Van was like, yes, queen, like use these. And then basically in the <laughs> process, like he like literally destroyed a whole village, like killed hell of people. Yeah. And like, it's like a big turning point in the, Oh the yeah. Adventure. Cause like basically up to this point, Luke is like, honestly the worst. Like he's like super rude, very impatient. Like, honestly, I don't know why he has friends or like why any of these niggas are teaming up with him. And then basically after he like sinks this town, basically there, he's like, Oh, I actually have to like, be a better person and then he like mm-hmm. cuts his hair in this like ceremony of like self-discovery and change anyway so basically like what i loved about it was that like you know luke had done some shit like that tear used to like kind of be like an assassin so she like killed hella niggas jade had basically he used to do a lot of these like like he like he specializes yeah he used to do a lot of like human experiments and actually created this monster named oh my god what was her name Nebulim, because he essentially, because yeah. he used to have this professor who died tragically, so he tried to resurrect her. Um, but in the process, he like created this like really evil sort of replica of her, and like just throughout the past, had kind of done sort of similar social like human experiments where he would literally experiment on people. Right. I'm trying to think. Guy at one point was like. The reason why he started working for Luke's family was because he actually originally was going to kill Luke because, like, Luke's right. family had, like, basically done some, like, had basically, like, destroyed Guy's family. And so it was kind of, like, this interesting thing where, like, Luke was like, we're best friends. But Guy was like, I low-key wanted to kill you at one point. <laughs> but, like, I guess. We, but once he became friends with Luke, he was like, oh, I can't actually do this. Um, I forgot what, like, Natalia and Annis did. But basically, yeah, all of them kind of had, like, just some shit going on where you were like, yeah, y'all are, right. like, not really good y'all are kind of just together based on like happenstance and like i mean yeah like y'all are i guess the best people to sort of like thwart this whole plot but girl y'all aren't like really that great um but what Mm. what i loved about it was that there was such a focus on like atonement like they really i feel like they explored that theme so beautifully like i mean yes like luke you could say is like a murderer like he like you could kill <laughs> he killed and honestly most of the cast are murderers or would have been murderers <laughs> like it's like these people have like actually killed people and like it's like and they they really explore that like the first time luke had to ever fight a soldier and like actually had to kill someone it was like mm. he like really struggled with that and like kind of had some like mild ptsd afterwards and it was interesting because like i feel like in a lot of video games it's like oh you just like fight people like you know you use your sword to like kill people all the time and like it's not really explored but like in this it was like death and like atonement and kind of like just like whatever side you tend to fall on like it basically just sort of like the moral ambiguity of all of us was just really enhanced and explored and also kind of just showcased Mm -hmm. that like you know we're not all necessarily the absolute worst thing we've ever done but at the same time, framing is important, too, because easily you could have written this game where, like, all of these people were the antagonists and the people that were the antagonists in the original story were, like, the protagonists. It could have very easily mm. been flipped. It was just a matter of, like, oh, we just so happened to be on this side. So, I don't know. So, right. it just kind of it kind of showcased um, that for me. But, but what about you? Ooh, that's a good one. And, of course, I also loved Tales of the Abyss when I was oh, younger. God. Oh, God. So many hours spent. But um, I think for me, I have two. So the first one is this anime called Roni Kenshin, which came out. I mean, this honestly, thinking back on it, I should not have been watching this show. It was very violent. <laughs> and honestly, 
kind of just above my level. I was like seven and I was very excited to watch basically this this anime about the transition from what I believe to be the Tokugawa era to the Meiji era in Japan. And obviously it's a fantasy, it's not real, so it's it's like not historically correct in a lot of ways. But during that in the previous era, um this character Rodi Kenshin was a, a batosai, a manslayer. And like <laughs> he killed a bunch of people for the government and he was like feared by all these people. And he was honestly just a bad dude. But mm-hmm. then he he it's it's a similar story of atonement where he basically becomes a a rogue nin, uh, a rogue samurai and puts down his like blade. Well, he doesn't put it down, he turns it um backwards which i don't really think that's a thing that i think about it that i'm older like what do you mean you turned your swords backwards and he was like i will never kill again right so he's like this super powerful super strong samurai who's just never going to kill again and Mm -hmm. he goes and he moves in with i think the judo instructor or maybe she's yes i believe she's a judo instructor or she's like a samurai teacher who's like swords are used to protect people and i have a good heart and i'm a good person and it's um and he doesn't tell her and like so you don't you don't know and he kind of seems like this goofy like not that scary dude except for like every once and again when he's like you know, turns into his old self to like defend someone. But mm-hmm. what I really liked about the story was there's this one arc, it's the Shishio arc, where they have to face this quote unquote villain who mm-hmm. is a villain. Like, right. <laughs> no, there is no doubt. Like, he's doing bad stuff and it doesn't really even love his underlings who like worship him. But the way he became a villain, right, is because of the government. Like, the government did a lot of violence to a lot of people. There's even this other character who's in Kenshin's crew and his name's Sanosuke Sagara and his, like, mm. old <laughs> leader of his band of of revolutionaries they were like, we're gonna fight for the government because we're gonna make a better tomorrow. And then the government turns on them and kills all of them except for except for Sanosuke. Holy shit! A, I know. Again, yeah, don't know why, you know, like, there was Barney on the other channel. Like, she could have been watching Barney. <laughs> but she was like this is what i'm gonna watch and i remember they got to the end of that that <laughs> that um arc and everyone's like kenshin you won like good job you won and he's like did we really win though the government you know started this violence and these people were just reacting to the violence other people put on them so are, are there really good guys and bad guys here and isn't it really just a matter of like a changing of the times and what we do with the piece that we have now like almost like let's make this worth it because honestly there mm-hmm. wasn't really a right and wrong here like it was just a matter of two sides going against each other and i really took that to heart i was like oh i you know i think it was the first time that i was like you know because before that you're watching like sailor moon and dragon ball z and like mm-hmm. the bad guys are bad guys in that story like right. <laughs> sailor moon and the sailor scouts are in fact the good guys it cannot be questioned right. so <laughs> i think i really I, I really liked this piece and it, it stuck with me for a long time. Um, I also think I was probably like moderately terrified boots, you know, because <laughs> it was like a terrifying <laughs> show. Um, but my second one, I actually watched as an adult and I was actually going to clock Steven Universe. I think yes. it really was a show that it's and it's a true allegory in the sense that like you do not think this is about anything when you first mm-hmm. start watching it. Like Marcy, I remember trying to get Marcy to watch the show. And the first like <laughs> 30 episodes, it's just about this kid <laughs> who's rather obnoxious, honestly, <laughs> who lives with these three weird alien women in a house on the beach. And it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very hard to convince anyone why this should be, you know, in their register of shows to watch. But as it goes on, you you learn more about the structure of the diamonds, quote unquote, which are the invading force, which the crystal gems have um 
defected from and you mm-hmm. learn more about their, their structure and why they defected and and this idea of love and being yourself and self-love as revolutionary acts um, that are worth defending and and what it means to be that way in the face mm. of you know structures that are oppressive or they that take a lot out of you or demand your um your conformity so mm. those are my two choices uh, <laughs> oh my gosh i love that so much because literally like it, it i feel like watching steven universe honestly took me years because like everyone was like <laughs> girl you have to fucking watch it bitch you would absolutely love it like girl you have to watch this shit and i like i like like Ago said, like I started watching it and I was like, this boy is so annoying. He is so got like he just like gets in the way of everything. Like these crystal gems are just trying to like be on their missions and here's Steven being annoying. And it was just like a lot of like him going on these like misadventures with like the townsfolk. And I was like, girl, like what? Like I was like, this is like so random. But then like once the plot starts, <laughs> girl, it starts. And then Honestly, by the end of season one, I was like, oh, see, oh, I, I get it. I, yep, right. okay. I was like, wow, there's a whole backdrop. And then it gets kind of mm. like, it's pretty like, sort of like intense. Like, it's like a lot of moments. Yeah. You're just like, wow, this is like true oppression. Like, people are like, actually, like, like this is heinous. Like, the torture, right? all types of shit where you're like, is this like a youth show? Like, is this like a really, <laughs> a, truly a kid's show? Like, what? Like, I, wow, I just, oh, God. But what a great, great program. I agree. And I, I wonder too, and I think this might be the case. I feel like allegories are for kids. You know what I mean? It's mm. the world is a super scary place, right? It's terrifying. And it would be nice if someone told us that ahead of time, maybe when you're <laughs> young enough to be able to do something. about it. Mm. You know what I mean? So that when it, and I think I like that about allegories in a lot of ways. And I, and you know, you see this in like the grim fairy tales and before they get dis- disney right? It's their warnings. Like they're trying, yeah. yeah, I'm telling you this as a metaphor because you're eight and you don't understand anything. So I can't tell you about like the King's oppressive rule, but I can tell you about this Fox that keeps, you know, killing rabbits all the time. Mm. Um, so that you'll get it. And I think it's a warning so that when you get older and you you get to a new situation, you kind of have a blueprint, you know? That's real shit. That's real shit. Yeah, it's... Hmm. I like that viewpoint. I like that viewpoint. But let's take a quick break and we can jump into the plot summary. Yes. So today we will be discussing The Cartographer Wasps and the Anarchist Bees by E. Lily Yu. So this story takes place in the village called Yue, where according to the story, the wasps used to live in a peaceful society and moderate harmony with the rest of the surrounding wasps and insects. Mm-hmm. Um, until one day, this like real irresponsible child rolls up, <laughs> finds a rock, and he was going to throw it at a sparrow, but there were no sparrows. So he's like, I guess I'll just throw it at this wasp nest that has been doing nothing to me whatsoever. Right. Because so <laughs> like children. Right, because like children are terrible, and so he throws it at the wasp nest. And um, when he does that, it falls onto the ground, and he gets stung by a bunch of wasps. But his mother goes and sees the wasp nest and realizes when they dip it in hot water, it opens up to reveal on the walls of the wasp nests a um, 
very intricate map of different nations and they're labeled in perfect mandarin which is crazy right so this. <laughs> right like no by the way not explained like, right, like so oh, i guess that's fine so the size did they ever explain why someone was like oh like let me take this wasness that just like fucked up my child and put it in hot water like it's like it just it's like oh we made this discovery it's like but like why? why like it's like why did you even do that to begin with it's like was it really a discovery because girl it looked like you were looking for something but anyway mm. we just moving on <laughs> so after seeing this the people get high key impressed and decide that they're just gonna over farm <laughs> all the wasp nests in the area to the point of extinction so at that point a small section of surviving wasps led by this like queen wasp decide to create a boat nest which i i, I don't know how the evolutionary track for, for wasps work but apparently you can do that and so they right. build a boat nest <laughs> apparently they were eligible <laughs> to do that <laughs> like shit right? um they throw it on like a river and they sail down you know i guess to a new land while they're sailing however they crash the the ship i mean i guess like it wouldn't be that durable of a ship so it's not surprising right they crash and they like fall onto the ground I, they apparently only one person died which is very impressive and they're like right. okay we weren't <laughs> we weren't really trying to show up in this part of the country world nation wherever we are but we here and it's not that bad and they look around they're like okay there's only really one formidable foe around us it's like these bees that live a little ways off which means obviously the next logical step is to build an empire demand tribute and expand and exploit the people and you're like oh yeah, yeah no, I, that's uh, what i thought too i was like yeah of course it, and, and by people, we're, we're talking about the bees. Like, it's this right, is beef bees. between the wasps and the bees. Like. <laughs> um, so the bees are like, okay, they, you know, these people just rolled up over here by the river. We're just going to go talk to them real quick, see what's up with them. Mm -hmm. So they show up, and their first ambassador is killed. Just And then they take the wings and, like, send it back to the bees to, like, <laughs> I, as, like, you know, a message. So they send a second a second bee ambassador and this bee ambassador she's like yo okay why don't we just split the territory you guys stay over here and then you know we'll stay on our side and they like rip out her stinker and send her back and she basically lives yeah. long enough to tell them that like these wasps aren't playing around right. <laughs> <laughs> so then they send this third wasp i mean this third bee to um talk to the wasp empire and she's a little older you know she's like okay guys you know clearly you have some points and some demands so why don't you just tell us what they are so mm -hmm. then the wasps go into this whole thing about how they're gonna help them develop how they're gonna like you know this is gonna this is really good for them the bees actually to have the wasps here to help right. them become a better a better civilization and the bees like honestly let's we can cut the chit chat like what do y'all want and they're like okay well you're gonna pay us tribute um of all your you know like honey anything you produce basically yeah <laughs> whatever they're producing and then you're also going to oh, which i guess would be honey right like what are these bees making like right like like bees like girl y'all really i think they have I mean, wax, wax too yeah they, yeah they have some other stuff whatever they're mm -hmm. producing um so they're gonna do that and then you can also give us one of every 100 of your children so that we can raise them so they can rule you in our stead. And they're like, okay, uh, but like, you know, just a quick question, just, you know, hypothetical. What if we <laughs> don't do that? And they're like, oh, you see these moths over there? We enslave them. So we can enslave you. And they're like, okay, uh, awesome. We're going to go back and tell everyone. <laughs> and this is probably, this will work out. Like, we're glad we had this talk. So the bee ambassador goes, well, first she's like, can you do this after I die? Because I really don't want to be the kid that sells out my empire. And they're mm -hmm. like, ha, no, no. <laughs> go tell them now. <laughs> they're like, your timeline cannot be negotiated. And I'm just like, right. girl, it can be negotiated. <laughs> you motherfuckers just got here. But anyway, right? rude as shit. Thank you. So, <laughs> so um, 
The bee ambassador goes back to the queen and is like, yeah, they're not playing around. They really, really want to enslave us. And she's, you know, crying <laughs> and sad, obviously. Um, but the other government structure is like, okay, well, you know what? Um, this is kind of a lose-lose situation. So I guess we're just going to get subjugated. So that's how the story goes. And then after the bees become subjugated, the wasps become rich and lethargic as, you know, rich oppressors are wont to do. Yep. <laughs> So then one day a bee is born an anarchist. Why is not explained. They're almost like, you know how every once and again, a couple generations down, you get an anarchist. It's like kind of like when you get a brown haired kid in a fair haired family. Like you don't know how it happened. But <laughs> it just happens. <laughs> right. And so she starts basically raising her bee drone children to be anarchists and then sends them to the other bees and like they mate and bear more like inquisitive minds who are like maybe a monarchy that oppresses us is not a good thing. And so, you know, like, you know how one in a hundred of them were sent to the wasps. So some of them go to work for the wasps and some of them stay in the bee's nest. And then they start kind of kikiing and being like, yo, we learned all this stuff about maps and, you know, mm -hmm. empire building. And the other bees are like, oh, this sounds dope. So they're like, what if we just started our own colony that was egalitarian and free from rule and <laughs> had um, gender rights? So like the drones and the bee female bees were all doing the same work because like this is we're all like the same and we're all working towards a common goal and they're like bet awesome so they in the like secret of night fly away and start their own colony which you think oh obviously at this point what's going to happen is they'll become strong and then come back and free their people yeah no mm -hmm. <laughs> so what actually happens is you know that little boy from like earlier in the metaphor which was not discussed at all and became moderately irrelevant mm -hmm. he, he has <laughs> he has a sister and um, his sister is actually a agriculture student at the college in their area. And she comes back and she's like, he's like showing her the bees and her, the wasps in his little um, jar from way back in the day. And she's like, there must be more of them. So she in the, <laughs> also in the cover of night goes to this wasp nest, finds it. And basically Slick just takes out all of the wasps. None of the bees, just the wasps. And yep. the bees wake up the next morning and they're like, um, um, <laughs> our oppressors are no longer here and then people are like should we question this and think deeply about where they have gone and what this could possibly mean and they're like meh um we're kind of just glad that they're gone so everyone kind of parties <laughs> it up and <laughs> allows that to just drinks be flowing like they're just like <laughs> just like <laughs> getting their fucking lives like just <laughs> all of a sudden drake starts playing and everyone's like right like <laughs> Um, except for the second generation queen. So after the first queen who really cared about her people died, the next generation queen was kind of kept as a figurehead by the wasps. And it's implied that she is low-key like kind of sad about the lost empire of these old wasps, which you're like, mm, all right, queenie, but that's fine. Right. So this next generation of bees eventually find that colony of bees that's separated, but they're all dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they caused literally no revolution at all. So obviously uh, my prediction was wrong. And the only thing, <laughs> I was just really shocked. I was like, wait, what about the separatist bees? Nah, well, and so the only thing left of them are these written works. And the last line of the short story is instructions to the bees who found this destroyed community to write. So we're going to take a quick break and then jump into mm. our discussion. Sounds good.
And we're back. So, Akko, thank you so much for that plot summary. I'm going to just keep it 100 with y'all. Like, I, I read the story. She read it. But there was a lot of details that I kind of missed. So I was like, you know what, Akko, you, you got this, sis. Like, let me <laughs> you, like, you take it. Because, like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there were definitely some details that I kind of missed initially. So, yeah, so thank you for that plot summary. Of course. Something that I'm kind of, so as I was reading through the story, something that I was also kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Is that, like, like who are the people? Like, what mm. was their purpose? Because it was very much a tale between the wasps and the bees. And then, I guess, also these kind of, like, periphery, like, other animals. Like, really more, like, I guess, insects. And I feel like, if anything, like, the humans were almost, like, circumstance personified or, like, nature personified. Mm. Like, I feel like it was, like, they would intervene with, like, the everyday goings of you know like lives of like the wasps and the bees but like like i almost saw them as like weather almost it's like these like these forces Mm. that can kind of like contribute to sort of like the rise and fall of empires but like aren't themselves like other factors it's not like it was between the humans the bees and the wasps it's literally just between the latter two but it was like here's like this like party element that kind of like adds like some spice to it and like you know changes (laughs) circumstances but like doesn't really in any way sort of predict what's going to happen it just kind of like adds a wild card factor to things Uh. um yeah, it was interesting because I was like, the people here, because like when you first read the story, like, I mean, the first passage was about like, you know, the first paragraph rather was about like the little boy throwing the rocks or whatever. And you're like, okay, like the humans are going to be like relevant. And then they like quickly dissipated. Also, I will <laughs> say like his sister, like dramatically in the dead of night, taking the was it was kind of like, girl, what? <laughs> like, it was just kind of like, this seems like a little more like too like heisty for like, you're literally just getting wasps to like take back to you. Like this, like this is like a very like placid activity and you're like making it like high stakes it's just kind of like girl what the fuck is going on but like i don't know what what did you think like i guess how did you see the people in in this story Mm. no i agree i think they they do have a nature element as well with the bees the separatist bees actually in the story i believe what kills them is this really cold winter and they end up dying right um Mm -hmm. so the humans are kind of similar in that regard in that like this force of nature kind of wiped out these these bees who honestly at this point hadn't built enough of their community to withstand a natural hardship and like at the same time these wasps at the beginning of the story what were you gonna do if a kid throws a rock at your at your nest like nothing you're right (laughs) sorry i I mean you did all you could you stung him um but i at the same time i also think that the humans could be a metaphor for there's always like another power that you i think people think especially when you look at history that their plans are gonna work like yeah they're like perfect uh we'll just you know terrorize and take over and it's gonna be fine and then always out of nowhere for no reason like (laughs) the least likely thing you expected to happen is what like actually happens like sometimes Mm. you're reading a story and you're like this should not have i i think about when i think about world war one and the fact that if you remember marcy from any history from high school which if no one remembers it's fine like (laughs) that's not something you needed to remember but for world war one when they killed the prince of serbia right it was like the separatist group who had made all these plans and had messed up honestly like they had Mm -hmm. screwed up the the prince had the prince's driver had taken a different turn than they were expecting and this guy was like kicking rocks in an alley like damn i failed the revolution and then all of a sudden the prince's car just turns the corner and shows up and he's like oh perfect (laughs) we can now like begin the revolution and it's like such a and this started World War One, which then leads to World War Two, which then leads to the Cold War, which then leads to whatever the hell we're doing. I mean, just because this guy turned right. to the left corner, turned and ran into this guy who he had managed to avoid seamlessly the first time. Right. So I think 
in a lot of ways it's this and and in the same way that this kid is honestly just throwing rocks and has really no concern about what's happening i i think we just we we all think we're really smart like we think we've discovered it we know what's gonna happen next and then mm-hmm. out of nowhere like shit will just go down right so <laughs> mm, that's interesting yeah it's kind of like it sort of just shows how like it's not to i guess necessarily minimize the impacts of like these kind of events but it's just like it kind of just shows how like easily that also could have just not happened right it's like just kind of shows how it's like okay like this it just so happened that there just like weren't sparrows out that day but had there been sparrows Mm. like the wasp probably would have never left and like the bees would probably have been fine and like you know or maybe the wasp would have eventually come but like just under different circumstances or like under a different timeline or perhaps the bees would have colonized the wasps you know like it's like it could have just turned into such a different story but oh just like this one day at this one time when this one little boy Mm. was just like bored there just weren't any fucking sparrows. Or maybe the threat, like, what if, like, he had killed a sparrow and then the sparrows revolted? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, right, it could have been, like, right. between the sparrows and the goddamn moths, like, the moths or some shit. You know, like, it could have taken a whole different turn. It's just, like, mm. yeah, it just shows how, like, I know, it's interesting how we're able to organize in, like, faction groups and things like that. But at the same time, like, the cause of these happenings are just so, like, can arbitrary. be so just, like, right, just arbitrary. Honestly, kind of yeah. just, like, capricious. You're just, like, what? Like, this is really what caused y'all to, like, developed this like right. anarchist group of bees there's just like this <laughs> boy <laughs> like no one knows about it's just like you know like it's just like random as shit yeah um and i guess there is something to be said too about the fact that i'm thinking like even now where where people have different fractions and such and how a more powerful empire like for instance the u.s or the u.n even can intercede and suddenly change the power dynamics right so that's another thing that mm. the human metaphor kind of i don't know touches on yeah that's real shit that's real shit yeah so i don't know the people in the story i'm just like y'all low-key annoying but like also kind of like <laughs> lead into the plot so like that's fine i guess something i also thought was kind of interesting was that like in the story but especially when the wasps you know show up and then like they just start fucking shit up like pretty much all of the negotiations and sort of like tribute all of those agreements were like set by i mean it's not like ins- insects can be women but you know but like they're like female insects that are kind yeah. of leading to all of these things mm. um and I think sometimes we often wonder, like, oh, like, you know, what would world history or even just, like, contemporary, like, events look like if, like, you know, more women were sort of, like, in these, mm. like, positions to make these types of decisions? Like, would things have, like, kind of, like, would this, sort of, like, would this trend of, like, violence and colonialism and, like, all these different things have been, would that have still happened? Or, like, would it have just looked mm. differently? Like, you know, like, I think it's an interesting kind of exploration of, like, I don't know, like, it's, like, do, like, like, will women have done the same thing? Would the same thing have happened right. regardless of, like, you know, the gender of, like you know the the folks making these decisions right yeah and it's such a good question because i don't know if anyone really has the answer to that question you know mm-hmm. because we could say well actually women are innately different and therefore they would have run it differently but is mm-hmm. that true and then that relies right. on some not necessarily true assumptions about gender and what it mm-hmm. means and if it's socialized or innate which it's i mean i don't think it is i think it has a lot to do with socialization so then are we saying yeah. like Oh, well, they would have done the same same thing. But then at the same time, women are socialized differently. So then what would it look like if uh, differently socialized people were in charge? And I don't have an answer to that, Marcy. Like, would gender divisions even be the way they are if a different group of people were in charge of things or if had made right. decisions, you know, mm. if it was based on... I don't know. I can't even think of anything, but it's, I think it's so ingrained in the way history has gone that it's hard to imagine what it could have looked like. 
I don't think the story goes too, too deeply into that. I kind of wish they had. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the only time where they sort of, there's like a moment of like, oh, interesting, is when the queen, the first generation queen is like, but these are all my children. Because, you know, in a bee's nest, like technically the queen bears like everyone. Right. right? And it's almost like, oh, wow. What would it be like, for instance, men send their boys to war all the time. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if for someone who has to bear a child for nine months and then like, you know, like birth <laughs> them. Mm. I, I, maybe the cost analysis of sending that person just, I mean, I, and maybe I'm not even trying to say women are more nurturing because I know that's a stereotype, but I'm mm. simply saying like, if you told me I had to carry something for nine months and then you're going to kill it in <laughs> five seconds, that's actually a waste of my time and effort. You know what I mean? Like uh, just on that level, like just on that principle. Like, right. Like also I'm sure I'd love my child, but just right. on that level, like you put me through all this strenuous activity and then you're going to kill my offspring on some foo-foo bullshit. Like right. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> this war better be hella justified. Like right. there better be a real good reason. So I do wonder about that. That did make me think. Um, and I would like to see more stories like that actually yeah it's just interesting because i mean because i for, for me when i see like just i don't know like it's just like the values we place on like you know masculinity and femininity and like you know how that plays mm. out on like the world stage and how we like decide to interact with like other groups of people or even just like, yeah like entire other like nations and, and countries and stuff it's like i i, I don't know there, there's a certain like bravado or like desperation to meet a certain like masculine Ooh. standard that like is has always been like this is really it's, it's, it's always been very salient to me i'm always like like i can't mm. extract that from these events right like so i'm just cu like curious how like if gender were just constructed differently or in a more egalitarian way or even if like masculinity right. just didn't have such a like fragility toxicity. and like like toxicity and like desperation mm. for like power like what would that look like you know like i and it's just it's interesting because like i don't know, even like this whole story with like the wasps show up and the bees are just like, oh, I guess we're just going to like, you know, acquiesce to everything. I don't, I'm just, a part of it was kind of just like, let a wasp show up and just like kill my queen. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like how, like literally bitch, how dare you? Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, absolutely. Like, I don't know. I just, I think it's interesting. Like how it's like, I mean, granted, like this is, you know, stories like this have taken place. Like this has happened. Right. And like in real time, but it's just like, it's just like, what? Like, Oh, I feel like I don't know the clapback would have been severe if I was one of these like <laughs> shit. Like, and to be fair, they do talk about fighting them, but then right. the bees do think about like, okay, how many people are we gonna lose though? You mm. know, um, how many people are gonna die? Because these wasps, they're not playing around. Like they came to them the first time, being like, "Can we compromise?" And they said, "We're gonna kill you." So you're like, mm. "Oh shit!" You know, they don't they don't seem to have a lot to lose. Right. Um, which I think is what people forget uh, when people get colonized, you know, they're kind of like, well, why didn't you fight back? And you're like, yeah, people die when you fight back. <laughs> right. <too."> like, <laughs> it's really no winning. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So it's just interesting. It's an interesting kind of exploration of like power mm. and like sort of, I guess that process, but, um, but yeah. I completely agree with your point. Like the idea of what would it look like? in a society where people weren't keeping for power the way we do in this very masculine patriarchal world that we currently even live in. Mm -hmm. Maybe it would be different. Maybe it would be the same, but we don't really know. Right. Yeah. No. And I, I just, I always just wonder like, what would it like just in, in again, this is sort of like getting into the sort of like the depths of like parallel universes where it's like, I mean, girl, like what, but like, I don't know. I just, I just always <laughs> wonder where it's like, what would it, I guess just how, th how would things have played out if like, you know community and collaboration were just like kind of 
values that we Ooh. sort of held to higher regard or like i or i guess mm. like you know like if rather than having these adversarial relationships with one another if things are just kind of more collaborative like we i don't know i just i i just wonder like kind of like what that kind of relationship would have looked like like if the wasps and the bees just decide to like be bad bitches together not necessarily Ooh. against someone but just like they were like well girl you got this you got all these like you know cartographers and like all these other hoes and like you know bees we have like you know this kind of order like how could we like Combined. And maybe that maybe this perhaps is too utopian. Maybe it's not. I don't, I'm not quite sure. But it's just like I, I just wonder what it would have looked like if we they had just fused together into something better than like either them separately or this like kind of top down model where it's like you have wasps on top of bees, but like bees are being subjugated, so the bees don't really have that much access to like any sort of utility. It's just I don't know. I think this thing is interesting. Marcy, is this actually? A metaphor for how minorities fight amongst themselves when <laughs> the true oppressor is you know like the oppressive system that keeps them all down I, i'm actually wondering like you know what i mean like these wasps and bees mm. are not that different from each other they're right. both kind of at the whim of these humans who th- be throwing rocks <laughs> right for no reason you know true. huh and then in the end the wasps despite being like oh we're we're them bitches like mm. got plucked like it was nothing you know what Real i mean it's quick. like they both it's like even though they tried to position themselves on top of the bees, they were still Ooh. subject to someone more powerful than them. Interesting. Wow. Kind of, wow. I could I could definitely read it like that for sure. I did not see that coming. Hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is I wonder too sometimes how much we don't know about other communities or empires that did run in a more maybe egalitarian, right. in a more matriarchal. I mean, there, we know about many matriarchal societies, but... Yeah, I wonder if there's a lot of erasure. I mean, I don't wonder. There is a lot of erasure of peop- of mm. history, right? And sort of this creation of a timeline and a narrative that goes one way. Right. I do, it is sad. And I do wish I, we knew more. So maybe, you know, the listeners got some alternative histories. Okay, nothing crazy. Don't, you know, I don't want to hear about aliens <laughs> building pyramids or anything. But if you have like a story that, and a history that people don't talk about that you would mm. like to share, that'd be kind of dope. That would but be really dope. Marcy, yeah. I have a question. Yes. Another one. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that the wasps are just taken out of their nests like at night with mm-hmm. no warning. And I wondered, and that changes the whole power dynamic, right? Right. And I wondered, what if during slavery, just for no reason whatsoever, like the white slave owners had just slick disappeared? Like, wow. No rhyme or reason, gone. Mm. What? Oof. The. I feel like I'm like I feel like I'm on like what's that show like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You get to like phone a friend and shit. I'm like, can I phone the ancestors and be like, girl, what do y'all think? Because like, right. what? <laughs> um, that is so interesting. I, I, mm, I feel like for I just this I guess just my opinion. And granted, like this didn't happen, so like I mean, there's no way to really be right or wrong. It's just like like you know right. ideas. Um, I feel like that transition would be really rocky. Because I feel I like agree. there would be a growing tension between people who are like, look at God, we're like, we back, like we're about to like, you know, really be lit as shit and just like not have to rely on whiteness in the way that we've, you know, sort of been subjected to in, you know, these past however long, you know, folks have been kind of going through it at that point. Mm-hmm. But then I think there would also be sort of people similar to sort of the the second generation queen that would almost be these like white apologists, like people who like, oh. you know, were so deeply colonizing their mindset that they like you know would miss the white slave owners and in in a lot of ways try to Mm. replicate the structures that they had been subjected to i feel like yeah it would just be a lot of tension between like we are black and we're liberated and that can just look entirely different versus people being like oh well like my 
relationship with blackness has always been underneath the veil of whiteness and so like with that gone it's like i can't even see myself as me anymore like i can't Mm. even like allow myself to like create a different framework because i've never existed in that and so like i'm gonna just replicate this one and i just feel Ah. like it would like i'm not sure what would happen eventually through time i feel like that would be sort of an initial response maybe through time i don't know if one group would like win above the other but like i do think there would be like i feel like there'd be some bloodshed for real like i feel like it Mm. would be i don't think it would be pretty but i do think eventually one of the groups would more or less kind of make it on top. Or maybe there would just be a whole thing where like, you know, lighter skinned people who were enslaved, you know, like kind of created another sort of like racial hierarchy. You know, like I feel like it would like, yeah, I feel like racial categorization would just be very different. Like I feel like, you know, if you like that whole like brown paperback test and things like that. Yes, it's like currently in this current line, like landscape, we're all considered black, but I feel like there would be so many groups, like so many like divided groups created within blackness, Uh. almost as if like they're like different races now because of this. Oh, I see yeah. what you're saying. I mm-hmm. see what you're saying. What I, you that's a good point. No, I think that's a great point, Marcy. I think that um, I think we forget what the vacuum of power does. Well, mm-hmm. maybe we don't forget. Maybe everybody knows. But you kind of have to account for that, right? Like once this other oppressive force is gone, when everyone has in a way been brainwashed or our minds have been configured to think in that fashion, it's really hard to undo that, to just think a different way, which maybe is why these other bees separatists who died, maybe that's why actually it is important for them to have left, even though they didn't technically change anything. Maybe having these writings here can give the bees who were oppressed before kind of an idea of how to run things differently. Um, mm. So they're like the mental emancipators. So there's something to be said about that. Mm. I, but I, I do agree. I, I think it would be hard. I On the one hand, though, I do think so much happened because of the slow, quote unquote, ending of slavery. I, I don't even know if it really <laughs> ended. It might just be a continuation into the present day. Oh, um, come on. <laughs> but so much atrocities then happen like after slavery the civil war ended then you have the jim crow era you have well you have sharecropping the other jim crow era civil rights movement mass incarceration so it's like so many atrocities happen there that i'm like well maybe you know slave owners have just disappeared um <laughs> less terrible things would have happened right um but then at the same time like you were saying well the power dynamic still stands and so that has to be contended with and Oh, mm. so interesting. I guess there's no easy solutions to the world's problems. Ugh, sounds like adulthood. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's real shit. But I, I mean, I appreciate the question. It's like, it's something that, I mean, I've li- literally never thought about that before. So like, I'm just like, y'all just get in my like debut thoughts <laughs> on this issue. Maybe tomorrow I'll be like, what the fuck did I say on the podcast yesterday? <laughs> like, I actually feel like this, th- you know, but like, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it, it's interesting because it kind of also forces you to, I guess, yeah, just to sort of acknowledge, because I think, you know, at present, you know, obviously there's a lot to be dismantled and critiqued and, you know, sort of reevaluated about our current racial structure. But it's just interesting to sort of see it as like, okay, like, even if this was gone, like, do, are we equipped with sort of the frameworks that we need in order to really even like promote the society or the kind of world that we want to live in right it's like it's like we're always talking about like what are the issues caused by other people but like with those people being absent it's like okay so what are the issues with us (laughs) that we've had the whole time that weren't really expressed before but now that we're in this different context can be right it's like it's just it's 
I just wonder like kind of how that would look. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it'd be kind of messy, but like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like cynical and just like don't believe in humankind, <laughs> which isn't like totally untrue. Like that's not like <laughs> completely off base. Um, I mean, so, yeah. Bob, Bob Marley definitely said emancipate yourself from mental slavery. So it's not like you're I wrong, mean, right? Mm-hmm. True. I mean, I think one of the most power, powerful things about empires is the ability to change the way we think about things. Right. So. Mm. Wow. Mm. Damn. Wow. That is... Admittedly, I did not think we would have that much to talk about with this honestly <laughs> short-ass tale. I was like, okay, so there was some wasps. They were like some real motherfuckers and like the bees, I don't know, just kind of <laughs> were there and then they eventually <laughs> just left. Like, it's just like, I was like, not that much really happened. But yeah, it, it is a really interesting exploration. Do you... Are there any sort of like residual thoughts that you have or anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrap up? Mm, no, I don't think I have anything. Um, mm-hmm. If you guys think that our analysis was you know, awful and terrible, you can let us know. If you thought it was beautiful and awe-inspiring, you can also let us know either by emailing us at thesecolorpages at Mm gmail.com or coming to our website, um, thesecolorpages.com or on our Twitter page, The Colored Pages. Yes, yes. At at The Colored Pages? Yes, at At The the Colored Pages. Because we speak Twitter because we use social media because we're young and fun. (laughs) That we are. (laughs) Yes. My older brother called a hashtag a pound sign today and laughed. Um, (laughs) Which it is a pound sign, but he was like, ah, yes, pound sign and add whatever afterward. And I was like, this is hilarious. Okay, oh, wait, so, wait, so instead of saying hashtag, he said pound sign. But, yes, oh, my. Oh, yes. wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. I can't. Um, but, yeah, what about you, Marcy? Anything we should leave our listeners with? Um, No, that's pretty much it. I guess, you know, as a gentle reminder, as always, stay, stay colorful. colorful.